Hey, ding-dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about NBC's The Good Place and now recapping the Disney Plus series Loki. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's terrifying, but that's kind of what's great about her. It's my sister, Marissa. Ah, my hand. (laughs) Ah. Don't challenge. Crokey, Crokey, why? (laughs) Don't challenge Crokey. Crocoloki. Don't challenge him. He Luke Skywalkered me. (laughs) We are recapping this week's uh, episode, Journey into Mystery. This is a a big one. Lots of stuff going on in this one, folks. But uh, before we get to the recap, um, just a bit of housekeeping up top. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, we are at The Good Play Pod. And we got a very sweet tweet this week as well that we'll read at the end. And uh, you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Do we have any emails this week? We have two. Ooh, all right. This will be juicy. I don't understand one of them. You're going to have to help me with it. <laughs> Okay, I mean, if you think I understand the Marvel Universe any better, I... (laughs) It's the the handless leading the handless over here. (laughs) 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 So, you are recovering from a cold a little bit. Would you like me to do the recap? Um, I... Well, how's the fireworks situation in Brooklyn tonight? No more fireworks. No more fireworks. We are past... Fourth uh, of July, and the the chaotic neutral youths of Brooklyn have been letting me sleep recently, so it's been a nice change of pace. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can take the recap then. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I like the idea that you were going to power through if I oh, of had. Of course, like, I would have. Yeah, I can't edit out the fireworks where they are like intersecting with your voice, right? Like I can I edit can them just... out if you're in the background, but not if you're I can talking. just intermittently like. Um, flip a table or something so you get another loud noise but uh, um, all right so we're gonna dive right in uh we start with a cold open that i believe cost approximately one zillion american dollars <laughs> there were there were at least twice this episode where i looked up and i was like how much did this cost how much y'all um, so we sort of, we're fading, we're sort of, uh, the camera is, is spinning and we're fading from the TVA and then into the timekeeper's chamber where one of them lies decapitated. And then we end up in a post-apocalyptic type of landscape. Last week we, we said it was New York City, but it actually, you know, turns out to be a little bit more complicated than that. So we'll get to that shortly. Our Loki is following the three other Lokis who rescued him, which, uh, if I remember correctly... I think you correctly, mean four other Lokis? Four? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. How could I forget? <laughs> forget How could croaky. I forget about <laughs> Krakaloki, Kroki? Our, our four other Lokis, so we have uh, Kid Loki, uh, Boastful Loki, Classic Loki, played by Richard E. Grant, and then we also have, uh, how could we forget? They say he's an alligator, but I like saying Krakaloki, so... You know. Yes. So classic Loki says, this is the void. That's Elioth. And we're his lunch. And he's pointing out to like this giant. Excuse me. I know exactly how to explain what it is. Will you, okay. will you give me a moment? Of course. The cave of 
wonders. I'm very impressed that you could do that with your... <laughs> it hurts, but I can do it. It uh, is it is the freaking sand cave from Aladdin. But a, <laughs> That's what it like is. Like a cloud storm. Yeah, but if you just replace every grain of sand in the, in the sand cave... Uh, monster in Aladdin, you replace it with a little speck of smoke. That's what it is. You're kind of right. Wonders. You're kind of right. It has right. like that like leonine face to it. Yes, and it devours everything indiscriminately. It seems like everything. So they... Everything sentient. It, it it seems to only eat sentient things. So it doesn't only eat alive things because there's grass, and it doesn't eat everything because there's all those buildings and stuff. It seems to only eat sentient things. Yeah, that's interesting because we see it go after other stuff later, but... So they run away from this giant monster, and then we cut back to the TVA, and Sylvia is sort of roughing up Ravana, and she's Who like, Who's really... Who deserves it? Yeah, and she's like, Who's really behind the TVA? And Ravana's like, I'm just as in the dark as you are, and I was like, Girl! And then <laughs> Ravana offers that, you know, maybe Loki really isn't dead, and maybe we actually want the same thing, and then I was like, Girl, I was not having this. <laughs> And oh, me Syl- either. I was like, don't trust her. But Sylvie's smarter than both of us. It's okay. You know, she seems like she- Sylvie seems like she's not buying it at first. And Ravana sort of plays into this whole like, I was lied to just like you were like th- thing very convincingly. And, you know, the two of them sort of align on this, like, we want to know who's at the top of this. And Ravana reveals that pruning a branched timeline isn't actually like a hard reset. It's just transferred to a void at the end of time, which I was like, is it Janet's void? Um, and she says, where every instance of existence collides at the same point and simply stops. And Sylvie's like, why? And Ravana's like, I don't know. And that seems... What I loved about this was Ravana being like, well, we can't destroy matter and energy. Like, that's like a very fundamental principle of physics, right? That you Mm -hmm. can't... Matter matter and energy can't be created or destroyed, or they can only be turned into each other. Um, But it was so funny to me that they're like, well, we follow the laws of physics. Like, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get on your high horse, MCU. And Ravana... State uh, says that dogma states that the end of time is still being written and the timekeepers are transforming it into utopia. But like now that I'm thinking about that, the timekeepers aren't real. So like what? Why would she even still? That's not we should just not even pay attention to this. Right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I don't. There's a lot of stuff we don't know (laughs) based on this episode. There's only one episode left. I know. Maybe like a super size episode. <laughs> and she says that nothing ever comes back from the void, but uh, she can help Sylvie and she asks Sylvie to trust her. And I'm like, that's a tall order. And back in the void, our Loki is following the other Lokis through the void and they're sort of like staying on the run so they don't die. And Loki, I love this, is like, don't die isn't a plan. It's a general demand of living, which I thought was great. <laughs> and... Loki then finally like stops and has a like a full on breakdown and I wrote down all this dialogue because I thought it was great. All I know is I got myself pruned and I woke up here and now I'm surrounded by variants of myself plus an alligator, which I'm half broken to report. I didn't even find all that strange. (laughs) I think it's heartbroken. Oh, I know the captions don't have it. The captions don't have it. So I thought it was a little 
heartbroken or half broken, which either one it was, it was it was very fun. And Kid Loki explains, you know, basically what we've heard from Ravana, which is like this is where the TVA dumps everything that it's pruned, and Eliath, which is the Cave of Wonders <laughs> sort of <laughs> face in the black cloud of smoke just eats everything and makes sure that none of it ever returns to where it's supposed to be. So, or I guess not where it's supposed to be, but where it was taken from. And it's kind of this, you know, as we've talked about a little bit, this like monster slash storm combination and it's made of energy. And classic Loki describes Eliath as a shark. And then the (laughs) alligator hisses. And he's like, oh, I he's annoyed that I didn't use an alligator metaphor instead of a shark metaphor. He's overly sensitive like the rest of us. <laughs> the absolute best part of this episode was all the, like, needling of all the Lokis about their Lokiness. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. A lot of self-awareness in this episode. You know, our Loki is like, well, how did you all sort of end up here? And classic Loki says they've survived because that's what Lokis do, which is... You know, what we've heard for a few episodes now, like, Lokis survive no matter what. And, um, you know, our Loki has a lot of plans to try and get out of here, try to, like, defeat Eliath, and they're all like, ha 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 ha, that's ridiculous. And they keep moving, and our Loki follows them, and Loki kind of, you know, kid Loki is the one who is... Um, nominally lead- in charge yeah, yeah leading them through and loki makes a crack about how they're all following kid loki and classic loki is like hey uh you should respect him and loki is like oh what nexus event was was your undoing or whatever my liege like he's being really you know kind salty. of yeah salty about it and this kid just cold-blooded turns around and goes i killed thor and it's like whoa <laughs> okay Something that our Loki has tried to do 10,000 times <laughs> and has never succeeded at. So they go uh, to this underground bunker. And on the way down, we see like a very small version of Thor. I believe it's, it's frog. a frog. It's frog Thor. Yeah, okay. it's frog Thor. I, I heard some people calling it Throg. Yes, um, that's, yeah, that that's a thing from the comics. Okay, so Throg, I'm guessing that Throg and Crocoloki have something to do with one another, but maybe. It's making for a lot of great fan art. <laughs> Crocoloki and Throg together. And it, the Throg is trying to like break free and we see Mjolnir the hammer kind of next to him in the in the dirt. And it's it's a little upsetting actually, but Yeah, it's not great. And down in the bunker, their bunker is like a disused like bowling alley arcade situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the bunker, they ask uh, Loki why he wants to return to the TVA so badly. And they're like, Oh, what did you leave your glorious purpose there? And Loki's <laughs> like something like that, which, you yeah. know, it's kind of sad. And then back, we're back at the TVA and Miss Minutes is fetching the files on the beginning of time and the creation of the TVA. And, and also the end of time. And Sylvie sort of posits that whoever is controlling the TVA lives past the void. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's sort of what I got from it. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she's saying, is she, was she saying that it's because it would be impossible to start a Nexus event in the void or like past the void? Past the void, right. Because like, it's not part of recorded time, I think, functionally. Okay. So she wants to go through the void, and Ravana's like, I'm not in so into that. And Miss Minutes suggests, like, 
a temporal spacecraft and i was like oh come on if they go that route that's gonna be like way too doctor you know, who quite easy frankly. easy but there's and they sort of make this deal and ravana's like you know it's a it's a spacecraft and it might be able to fly through the void and all that and sylvie's like okay and and they they reach an agreement and then sylvie gets like a bad feeling and realizes as miss minutes is looking quote-unquote looking for these files that she's kind of being played oh yeah miss minutes is like just another minute yeah and she's she's stalling for ravana until the a bunch of Minutemen like storm into the judges chambers where they are and sylvie immediately goes into survival mode and she hides and she takes the tempad with her and sylvie tries to kind of goad ravana and asking if ravana really did feel betrayed by the tva but ravana is very much towing the party line still and she kind of like it's it was a double cross and now she's uncrossing like she's sort of back on you know the side of the baddies and or she she never wasn't but uh more more transparently now and ravana tries to bargain with her and she's like tell you what you know, if you surrender now, then I'll go easy on you and I'll put you in a time loop of a nice memory. And then she's like, do you have any good memories? And Sylvie says, just one, really. And then she stands up and she prunes herself. And I was like, oh, dip. <laughs> but she had the temp pad on her. That's the genius thing, right? Mm-hmm. She had the temp pad on her. And when you prune something, the whole thing goes into the void so she knows she's bringing the tempad with her and so she basically has an escape route yeah and this sort of reminded me i know i've I've talked about this book before but there's a book called um afterlife by marcus seiki who does a lot of like crime thrillers and and one of his books sort of speculative fiction slash crime thrillers and one of his books is about like basically two fbi agents who are killed and realize that like something's going on in the afterlife and and one of them gets sent back to earth and then he offs himself so that he can go back and help the other fbi agent kind of reminded me of that dark it is dark it is dark but he kind of does it for the same reason he loves her he doesn't want her to be alone so it's kind of reminded me of that uh it's a good book if if anybody likes speculative fiction crime thrillers (laughs) um (laughs) so which you might if you're watching loki i mean really so Ravana interestingly tells the Minutemen, like, oh, good, that means she's dead. So, like, Ravana knows the truth of the situation and is obviously keeping it from the Minutemen who show up, which kind of reminded me of our conversation last week about, like, how much, you know, how much do the Minutemen really think on their own? How much sort of agency do they have in these situations? But it sounds the like the guy seems sort of unsettled. He's like, she pruned herself. Like... You know, like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they're seeing, starting to see some cracks there. So we go to the void and the Lokis are sitting around in their underground bunker and they're, and they're swapping stories. And classic Loki says that he escaped Thanos uh, and isolated himself. By, I think, so I just, it's kind of a rule of threes thing. So I just want to interject this. Totally. Totally. He says specifically the way that he escaped Thanos was by creating an illusion so convincing that even the Mad Titan was fooled. So we are to understand that this version of Loki has this like incredible illusion power. Yeah, that. thank you. That's very important. So he escapes Thanos and he isolates himself on this faraway planet because he says everywhere he went, pain followed. And Loki was like, well, how did you get caught if you were just like 
by yourself on another planet. And kind of heartbreakingly, he's like, I yeah. miss my brother. Yeah. And I, you know, I missed everybody and I kind of wondered if they missed me. And so mm. he's like, I took one step to get off the planet and the TVA swooped me up. And he says, we, my friends, have but one part to play, the god of outcasts. And they all toast. And Kid Loki is toasting with a high C juice box that I found it's out from a It's not just buzz. a high C juice box. It's one of it's the ectoplasm ones from when we were kids. <laughs> yeah, it's like a limited run ecto cooler. And I was like, oh, this show is perfect. Um, that was like, there was like a hot minute in my elementary school years where that was what the cool kids were drinking. <laughs> Well, Kid Loki seems like a real cool kid, so... That's true. He's a murderer. <laughs> Don't murder kids, if, if any kids are listening. So Loki is like, listen, I want to get out of here, and I want to return to the TVA. And they ask him, like, you know, what makes you so different from us? And and he's like, have you ever met a version of us but a woman? And classic Loki goes, sounds terrifying. And Loki's like, she is, but that's kind of what's great about her. Like, Hashtag accurate. It's so funny. Like, you know, Marissa mentioned earlier, like, the sort of the best part about this episode is, like, all the sort of squabbling between the Lokis and all the of The jokies, those. if you will. <laughs> and they, like, how, the, how much they dunk on themselves without meaning to and things like that. Like, <laughs> this is truly, you know... So you can see the the evolution of our like Tom Hiddleston's Loki sort of based on knowing Sylvie even in these sort of in the brief period of time that he's known her and he's like listen I'm going to go kill Elioth and you know cuz if it's a shark then it has a heart and like we can kill it and they're all like ha 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 that's ridiculous and he and he's like fine I'll do it myself and he opens the top of the bunker and he's greeted by, like, a swarm of other Lokis who are all, like, Loki variants who are all looking down at him. And he's like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> Didn't you? I, I mean, so I only got, like, a glimpse, but it seemed like one or two of them might have been female. Was that not? I, it's also possible that they were just sort of androgynously appareled. I just I wondered that... because it, it seemed like a big deal that Sylvie was female. Like, you know, classic Loki had never seen a female version of them yeah i sort of i thought that maybe they were like androgynous or genderqueer or or some you know he is sort of gender fluid in in his mm -hmm, ability mm -hmm. to kind of clone or not clone himself but have many versions of himself so it's possible that there are some sort of on the gender fluid spectrum but it see it i think you're right that it did seem like it was a big deal that sylvie was the female version I just love that he was like, this is a nightmare. So <laughs> Sylvie wakes up from the void and is immediately pursued by Elioth. And there's like kind of a moment where her powers connect with the smoke and like she sees this was a little I mean, I think it becomes clearer later, but like she sees something through the void. It's like a building or something, but then she outruns it or gets away from it and the connection is lost. And then a car it's like the pizza planet truck from i think Toy it is Story. it's incidentally it's being driven by lightning mcqueen ah! 
<laughs> yes, it's Mobius. That's so that's so funny, Mish. I didn't put that together. I didn't either. I read that online. But I will just let me just take a moment to, you know, eat my humble pie and take my L on this. I thought Mobius was for sure gone and he was not. He is back with a vengeance. Well, I kind of wanted to ask you how you felt about that because like I kind of agreed with you that like to have his death scene and and to sort of understand, okay, I mean, I, I was with you when you were like, I think the Lokis survive because they are survivors and they're demigods, basically. But like, no mortal is going to be able to make it through that. Then to see him roll up in the Pizza Planet truck was a little bit jarring, I think. Yeah, so I mean, it does raise some maybe uncomfortable questions about like, it, it was fine when it was just Lokis, right? For it to be like, look... They're demigods and they're survivors and, you know, but they're also devious enough to constantly be getting into these shenanigans where they <laughs> need to be pruned. Like, so it kind of made sense for it to be like a world populated, like almost entirely by Lokis. Yeah. And then when it's like, okay, well, Mobius has survived, but I mean, like, in fairness, he hasn't survived that long, right? He's been there for like an hour maybe longer than our loki <laughs> right yeah that's so true. it's not like it's not like he's been making a real go of it out on the salt flats for the last 15 <laughs> years like he j- <laughs> he just got there he's he not like harder darknessing a- his way through right. <laughs> he just got there and he and he commandeered the first car he found so like yeah I- i'm i'm kind of more okay with it it does sort of like it make it does sort of make you start to wonder about like well has really have none of the avengers ever stepped off the sacred timeline like and wouldn't they also survive or is it like the lokiness of constantly doing something you're not supposed to do like eating that, a neighbor's cat <laughs> yes that is how croaky got into uh <laughs> into the void like is it that they keep doing things they're not supposed to do is, does that mean that they kind of get pruned more regular? But like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that these are questions that the show is like that interested in answering. No. So like, I, I, I don't think that the show kind of cares to answer those questions, and that's fine, right? Like, it's not what the show. The show is not about like life in the void, right? <laughs> like, this no. this episode is just sort of you know an interstitial. Well, not an interstitial. It, it's a waypoint. Right. And we're interested in what lies beyond. We're not super interested in the void itself. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of similar to the woman we met on that like dying moon who mm. is making her own way towards death, kind of like at her, at her own at her own home. On her own terms. I think yeah. On you, her, yeah. Yeah. On her own terms. And like, you know, that was sort of that a slice of that world but we didn't see very much of it like I th- this sort of feels similar where this is a a way station for them to get to their ultimate destination i mean hopefully this place is going to become irrelevant because hopefully the tba is not going to exist after next week yeah 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 Woo. you know i watched a season or a season six an episode six like preview but it didn't tell me anything new it was just like a mashup of the first five episodes and I was like, I would really like, but, but in it was Mobius saying, you know, the Nexus event that you two caused could bring this whole place down. And I was like, all right, maybe we're going to, we're going to get there. 
So we're back in the so so Mobius is driving um the Pizza Planet truck and then <laughs> you mean Lightning McQueen? Lightning McQueen is driving the Pizza Planet truck. They're all owned by the same company now, so yep. you know. So back in the Loki bunker, it has become a backstab fest. It's just like everybody is selling out everybody else. So boastful Loki basically is like, "Ha ha, kid Loki, I've betrayed you." By because I'm like, you know, I gave away our position so that we could get more supplies. And like, now I'm going to be the king of all Lokis or whatever. And then President Loki, who is also Tom Hiddleston and who's wearing like a vote Loki pin. I love that. Um, which apparently this was, uh, fans of the comics will know this better than I do. But apparently this was a real like variant run in 2016 where Loki runs for president um really would it have been worse no it would have probably it would have been better (laughs) than what we ended up getting so loki president loki is ready to kind of like accept you know say like well i've betrayed you but then he's betrayed by his subservient loki army and then he gets his hand bitten off by croco loki and they're all fighting each other and they're all it's just very like it's like it's like a ballroom blitz it's just like everybody yeah it is very yakety sax and our loki is just standing by like oh my god you idiots like it's all actually like a really good illustration of how he has moved beyond his like i don't want to say his programming but his maybe like nature or his yeah his instincts or whatever you want to call it like he doesn't get in there he's just like i can't believe this is what they're like spending their time on (laughs) and it just shows you that like he like from episode one to now like his character has done like practically a 180 you know now he is like concerned about the fate of the universe and he can't believe that these guys who are you know so close to this you know, the, the, whatever lies beyond Elioth that they don't care about that at all. They're just squabbling over scraps. And like, he's genuinely at this point has a glorious purpose to uncover what's really going on. And he like, can't believe these guys who, Oh, that was him five episodes ago. Yes. That was him in every movie. You know, I'm reminded of, there's a movie where, uh, maybe Thor Ragnarok, where, but somebody can correct me where like Thor realizes that Loki's going to Loki and backstab him or whatever. So he backstabs him first and sort of leaves him on a tarmac before they get on a spaceship. And, and Thor is like, isn't it sad that we're all growing up except for you? Like we're all maturing, but, but you're staying the same, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it sort of, I was reminded of that as you were talking because that's exactly what has happened here, that he has matured and he's sort of, like, looking at all of these Lokis who are, you know, backstabbing each other for, like, dominion over, like, a, like a disused arcade slash bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh my gosh. and he, But he's not the only one, right? Because we have classic Loki... And Kid Loki, and Kid Loki kind of scoops up Croco Loki, who's just eaten President Loki's arm, <laughs> and they all escape through a portal uh, created by Classic Loki, and then they're they're above ground, and they've wait, left. Wait, 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 wait! Again, I have to insert the second thing in the rule of threes. 
which is that the way they escape is that classic Loki creates an illusion so convincing of the three of them in the middle of the fray that... It... I didn't catch that! Yeah, so you can see because they have, like, green outlines. Oh. So you see, like, doubles of them with green outlines sort of in the fight. Classic Loki makes those illusions of them. Illusions, Michael! <laughs> and <laughs> then he also makes a portal for them to escape out of, but it's the second... It's the second piece of the rule of threes of this episode. I didn't catch that. Thank you for for noting that because I didn't realize that. And they all, so they're above ground now. And classic Loki and kid Loki are like, oh my gosh. Like they are also lamenting the fact that, you know, they're all backstabbers. And and it seems like the, the little core group of Lokis that we met at the end of the last episode, some of whom are still in this core group, are, were hiding from this sort of, band of other Lokis running around because... They got a real Mad Max vibe to them. It is definitely... The President Loki's group is like a real Mad Max. It definitely seemed very Mad Max. And, uh, and, you know, they're basically like, this is... I can't believe this is what we do. And, like, the minute that we try to better ourselves or, like, make a different life for ourselves, we are pruned for it because we step off the sacred timeline like we step out of line for like what the universe has in store for us which is interesting coming from kid loki because it sort of makes me wonder like what the backstory is with him killing thor right our loki says that sylvie is sort of the only version of them that he truly trusts and you know basically their only chance of bringing down the tva and so they agree to help him get to Eliath. And then in the car, Sylvie and Mobius, uh, I-, I don't know. There were parts of this episode where I thought the writing was a little too on the nose. This is mm-hmm. one. And then the conversation with B-15 later is another area where, you know, they have this very on the nose conversation about, you know, the ends justifying the means. And like, I did what I had to do. And, you know, they sort of both feel like that. And then Mobius kind of apologizes to her. It does address like something that we've talked about before like sylvie you murked a lot of people (laughs) right and you know in fact she she pruned i think some people right so she she actually sent them to the void which is really bad uh (laughs) she pruned a lot of people yeah so yeah mobius points out like you know you murdered a lot of people (laughs) and she's like well you did too and and you know i would argue that mobius didn't didn't know like he was brainwashed and he was in the dark she understood the way that a lot of this works and she just went ahead and did it yeah i mean i think her argument would be something about the greater good but they don't really get into that yeah it's just sort of like i did bad things and so did you like we're friends now but up but up she's like loki's probably already dead and and Mobius is like, you don't really believe that. (laughs) Yeah, and Sylvie gets Mobius to turn around and go back towards the giant smoke monster, Eliath. Then the USS Eldridge lands between the Lokis and Eliath, so this is a real thing, which you probably already knew about, but I didn't know about it, so I thought it was pretty cool. I did not know about it ahead of time, but uh, I have read about it in the interim. We have a, I have an article about it if we're curious, but basically it's like a government experiment ship that was a real thing. The way that, like, D.B. Cooper was a real thing that they mm-hmm. reference in the first episode. So this car drives up and our our Loki and the other Lokis are like, I don't know, who is that? Is that like scavengers or whatever? Again, very Mad Max vibes. And yes. then 
Sylvie and Mobius get out of the car and Loki is like so excited but kind of holding back and it's very cute. And Sylvie is immediately like, you were going to kill this thing? And the rest of you just like went along with that. And the other, <laughs> the other Lokis sell him out instantly. And it's oh, yeah, so right under funny. the bus. <laughs> they're like, oh, I had my doubts. But they're like talking over each other. <laughs> they're like, we didn't really. We had our doubts. And she's like, look, I believe that whoever we're really after is sort of beyond Eliath. And Eliath is like their guard dog, which is an interesting, you know, Thing to believe and then back at the tva ravana goes to see b15 who now we see has been locked up for quote-unquote being disloyal to the tva and to, you know for freeing sylvie and this i thought was i understand why they wanted a scene with b15 because we didn't get resolution with her at the end of the fight last time but she and the cinema the cinematography on the scene is gorgeous it is very good but she also doesn't tell us anything we don't already know Right? Yeah, no, I I mean, th- this actress is, like, fairly well known, I think. You know, she's been in some high profile, um, like, prestige t- TV projects. Um, and so it might be a contractual thing, you know, that she's required to have at least one significant sort of dialogue scene in every episode. Maybe. But yeah, it was definitely like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> yeah, like, we already know, like... It's been established. So, you know, she has this line of like, you just want to get there, but she needs it. Like she's driven by revenge. It's like, we don't, we already know just through her actions that she's driven by revenge. Sylvia is. So, it, was, like, it was a useless scene. I agree. It may have been a contractual thing. It may have been like a, we have to show the viewers that B-15 is still alive, alive. and relevant because maybe B-15 is going to end up being in charge of whatever happens after the TVA. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're, they're keeping her in play for some reason. But yeah, this scene was like just a complete rehash of everything we already know. Yeah. So and then Miss Minutes uh, is ordered to get the files on the creation of the TVA. But we kind of don't really see what happens with that. Back in the void, Mobius is talking to the new Loki friends that we've made. <laughs> the real Lokis were the friends we made <laughs> along the way. <laughs> So, you know, he tells them that he wants to tell people the truth about the TVA. And he's like, you know, it's never too late to change. And that's sort of another interesting little spark for classic Loki. And then outside, they're sort of in this like ramshackle (laughs) hut. And then like outside, Sylvie and Loki are like sitting together like two (laughs) high schoolers forking teenagers who are like, don't want to admit that they like each other or have any feelings whatsoever you know it's like the goth kid and like you know the art the arty the, girl the artsy girl like sort of and um, like are they letting their knees brush on the yeah. school bus <laughs> which like look i am not above that that's how i lived yes. all high school so and also my 30s so don't worry about it but still like but I was just like screaming at the at the tension. <laughs> I was just like, and I was watching with my best friend, and he's like, "You turned around pretty fast on this whole thinking it's icky thing." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. Like, well written sexual tension will just get me every time. Like, all of my moral ambiguity just goes right <laughs> out the window." Marissa's just on archive of our own late at night. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So I plead no contest. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, she was like, I don't know how to do this. Like, this is what made me really think of them as like teenagers. They're like, I don't know how to do this. Like, have friends or have anyone in my life. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just so dr- drums, like the drum of this whole thing. And, and later they're going to put X's on their hands and go to the dashboard confessional <laughs> concert. <laughs> That one's for 90s kids. Would, All you 90s kids out I there. I would believe that Chris Carabas is still in the <laughs> void with his guitar, like, plonking it out somewhere. <laughs> um, in the Playing a set at the disused bowling alley. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> and, you know, Loki's be like, yeah, yeah, there are, like, more important things, like taking down the TVA. Uh, for example, you know, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> and, you know, I guess he, she's like, it's cold out. And he, like, puts a cape over himself, like, conjures, like, a cape. And he's like, do you want some? And she's like, no. And then he puts it over her anyway. And then they're, like, snuggling. But she's also being snarky about it. She's like, this is not that cozy. And he's like, it's a blanket. <laughs> and she's like, it feels like a tablecloth. And I, was I like, laughed. I, I laughed. laughed too. But I was like, oh, girl, you got it. You're ruining your own moment here. <laughs> so, you know, she she kind of gets serious for a minute. And she's like, I want to know that I can trust you. Like, how do I know you're not going to, like, sell me out and backstab me in the last moment? Which, again, like, this is something that we've... A, a character choice that we've seen or a character beat that we've seen earlier in the series when, you know, Loki's trying to convince Mobius at the TVA, like, oh, I won't backstab you. And he's like, no, that's literally what you do. Like, I know everything about you and you backstab everybody you've ever met. And he's like, yeah, but I'm bored of that now. Like, but he's still, at that time, he was still, like, playing fast and loose. And now he basically says, like, he says, please send me anything but signals that are mixed. Because I can't read your rolling eyes. Out of touch. Are we out of time? <laughs> uh, all my my feelings are coming back. But he very earnestly, with, a, with an acoustic guitar, uh, very earnestly tells her that, you know, he has betrayed everybody who's ever loved him and everyone he's ever loved. And he knows why he's, he did it, but he's past that now and that's not who he is anymore. And, you know, she's still trying to keep it light and she's like, you know, because when we get to the other side, there might be a timeline for you to rule. And then I got it. props to Tom Hiddleston. Like, he really did a great job of sort of heartbreakingly be like, being like, yeah, then I might finally be happy. Like, you know, that's not really what's gonna make him happy but he's sort of playing along kate i'm coming for your boy kate this is you two have to hash it out i am getting texts from the both of you that are like stay away from my man i'm like you guys gotta i only want loki in this series kate you can have loki in all the 4700 mcu movies you can have tom hiddleston appearing as any other character in any other franchise the night manager I... <laughs> is that what i, is that... I am show. only okay i am only interested in this like soulful redeemed loki all right i need soft <laughs> boys i only like soft soft boys <laughs> You two got to work that out because I feel like if she if she puts up with the Lokis that are mischievous for all that time and then she doesn't get redeemed Loki at the end, that's a that's a tough 
Maybe she likes bad boys. Maybe she does. Kate, get at us. <laughs> um, so she's like, hey, I, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do when this is all over. They're like, you know, very, it's very like soldiers around a campfire. Like, what are you going to do when this is when this is over? And she kind of really know. And he's like, maybe maybe we could figure it out together. And she's like. Yeah, I'd like that. And there's, they sort of like stare at each other soulfully. For all those times you stood by me. I thought you were going to do like a happy dashboard confessional song. I'm sorry, do those exist? Yes. Um, hands down, hands down. This is the best date I can ever remember. Always remember the sound of your voice. And- yeah, no, I don't know no? any of the happy okay. ones. No. Um, Oh, that's a good one. I gotta listen to that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Eliath is, like, storming around in the distance, and Sylvie explains that she's linked with Eliath earlier, and she thinks that there's a way to, like, enchant Eliath to get to whoever's behind of all, all of this, behind all of this, and Sylvie gives Loki Ravana's tempad as a way out, and he's and he decides to stay, and he says, you go, I go, which is very Titanic- so he gives the tempad to Mobius instead, and Mobius is like, hey, you know, other Lokis, do you want to take it out? And they're like, no, this is our home, which is like... That was a that was dumb, a dumb explanation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess it's just a way to sort of keep them... In play. In yeah. play for this. And Kid Loki uh, gives Loki a dagger that he conjures out of air, which... Reminded me of the love is an invisible dagger conversation that they had <laughs> so on the train. So apparently this is the, like, from the Norse mythology, this is the traditional weapon of Loki. Yeah, it has, like, a name that I could not pronounce, but... Yes! Yes, neither could I. <laughs> Let's see. I have it. It was, like, Fen or Flafarnir. <laughs> what like, was I that? don't... <laughs> Just... <laughs> uh, Le... Levatain. Levatain? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. L A E squished together. V A T E I N N. I don't I don't know. I don't all know. But so Mobius opens a portal back to the TVA and he and Loki sort of share a hug and say goodbye. That and... was I was standing there, I was like, hug him! I know. Hug Mobius, Loki! I know. And Loki and Sylvia approach Elioth and they're well, waiting. Well, I mean they ask Mobius what he's gonna do. Oh, he that's says right. he's gonna he says he's gonna burn the TVA to the ground. <laughs> It's like that's that's extreme, but I mean, and then he and then he thanks Loki for the spark, right? Yeah, and Loki and Sylvie kind of approach Eliath, and they're waiting for you know some something to appear, and Loki decides to make a distraction for Sylvie and like runs away so that Eliath will follow him. And I was like, if I have to watch Tom Hiddleston get devoured. One episode after getting pruned, <laughs> I'm gonna. This is a lot for me, okay? <laughs> uh, we got a lot going on. <laughs> it's too much, but you know, it's it's kind of not enough. And 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 Sylvie is about to be devoured when classic Loki appears. And this is, as Marissa's saying, the rule of threes, where he creates an image of an entire city, um, an image so convincing that even the Mad Titan, yes, and it it. It confuses Eliath, and Eliath starts kind of swiping at the city, and um, classic Loki is kind of 
playing with it and it's sort of alive again this is the other scene that cost one zillion american dollars like yeah sort of playing with it in the air so that Elioth will never kind of crunch onto something or never you know not realize that it's an illusion whatever he can't kind of get his 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 jaws on it and then but this is taking a lot out of classic loki and and loki says to sylvie i think we're stronger than we realized as they watch this and yeah because sylvie specifically says like how is he doing all that yeah and loki says i think we're stronger than we realize and classic loki is eventually like weakened by these efforts and is devoured by Elioth. not and- before yelling glorious purpose yes which is pretty um, pretty sick. My husband thinks that he's not actually dead, but I was like, are we really going to have two death fake out mechanisms in this show? That's I mean, a lot. He could pop up in like alternate universes or something. You never know, but I but I think in this case like that's his last stand, right? Like yes, he totally. he's been relegated to an underground bunker sort of squabbling it out with all these other Lokis and trying to make his way in this world and, you know, bemoaning the fact that, like, he doesn't have a glorious purpose anymore and they, they never kind of did, right? And and also, you know, it's redeeming for him to be like, wherever I went on my timeline, pain inevitably followed and now he is sort of the conduit for opening up this next chapter and sort of getting rid of a lot of pain for people, right? Getting rid of the TVA, etc. So um, Sylvie and Loki together manage to enchant Elioth and they see to the other side and there's this like castle or fortress on this rocky outcropping with kind of funky colors and they start walking towards it. And that is the end of the episode. It's a lot. Yes. I waited for like a post credits, but there wasn't one. Yeah. So I've got a lot of like reviews and stuff, but I've talked for a long time. So I don't know if you want to jump in with anything at the at the jump here. Um, so there was a lot to like about this episode. Um, this was maybe one of the only ones where I felt the pacing was a little weird or a little off. Mm-hmm. Um, the B fifteen scene didn't help that, and it kind of felt like we were whenever we were in the TVA, we were kind of like spinning our wheels. So yeah. that was a that was a little annoying, but I loved. You know, I loved all the interloki squabbling. I loved yeah. the Mobius Pizza Planet <laughs> rescue truck. You know, obviously, I, I loved the sort of romantic tension. I I don't look. I like intellectually, I still am like, ooh, but they won me over with the acting and the writing. So dang it, uh, <laughs> really enjoyed the the romantic tension between Sylvie and our Loki. Decider has a has an interesting point of view on that that I can share hmm. in a minute. Okay. So, you know, it, it felt a little bit like, gosh, I'm not sure it's, you know, um, I'm not exactly sure what to call it, but it, 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 I'm not sure that it advanced sort of the themes or the characters all that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think what, what was interesting was seeing all these other Lokis who are kind of like trapped in this cycle of pettiness. Yeah. And so, and to like contrast with our Loki, who has like really broken out of that, and so that's good, I think. But you know, it didn't. I don't know. It it wasn't. I guess it just wasn't my favorite of the episodes. But it had some really high high points, and 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just really eager to see kind of how this wraps up, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough when you're coming off of, like, episode three was, like, a real banger. And then episode four was much more emotionally resonant, I think. Mm-hmm. And this one sort of felt like a penultimate episode where you're, like, waiting right. for something to happen. And you've got to, like, get there. But, you know, they're still building up some tension. So it did sort of, you know, the the... I agree with you. Like, I don't think that anything at the TVA, with the exception of, like, Sylvie getting out of there, you know, pruning herself, all of the stuff that happened after that at the TVA, I thought, you know, they probably could have could have cut or or done with a much shorter version of it. Because it yeah, did. I, mean, it was I just agree. A lot of, it was a lot of table setting. So, mm-hmm. it you know, and I don't mind it. You know, table setting needs to happen. But... You know, can you either throw in some stuff that's genuinely novel or, you know, maybe cut out some of the cruft, some of the repetitive stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't know. And the novel stuff, I mean, the novel stuff in this episode came from the void. It came from all of the new Lokis that we met. It came from, you know, seeing Elia for the first time. It came from... um seeing this like city or this this citadel or this fortress you know beyond the void like all of this stuff that was novel and interesting came from the void whereas like you know i think a few episodes ago when we were still learning about the tva seeing that was novel and interesting and now we're like okay you know we understand you spent that nickel (laughs) yeah we get it and you know and also like ravana is so clearly like a baddie now that right it's it's hard to it's hard to spend time with her even though i felt like you know this episode they were trying to put the squeeze on her it didn't it feel didn't like enough squeeze. very long yeah it didn't feel like enough squeeze you know it, it sort of felt like you know she didn't she almost didn't feel panicked enough to me i think i would have enjoyed that more yeah and i'm just thinking like if we had cut out some of the time spent at the tva like what might we have been able to get in return and it's like you know some character development for kid loki because there's like a real theory that kid loki is going to become part of the young avengers yeah, right we talked about because that last week. there's some other characters they've sort of been slowly introducing into the mcu uh who are traditionally part of young avengers so like we could have gotten some character development on kid loki we could have gotten it would have been nice to have like a two three minute scene where like the good Loki so like after they get out of the bunker after President Loki gets his hand chomped off like if our like good Lokis just had like a minute to kind of talk about magic maybe Mm, since mm -hmm. the whole climax of the episode is both predicated on classic Lokis like exhausting himself creating the most spectacular illusion and also Sylvie and Loki kind of holding hands and willing themselves into enchanting this smoke monster. Like, I'm not saying magic has to make sense exactly, but it would have been really interesting for them to just have like a moment of like, well, what what kind of magic do you do? Oh, what kind of magic do you do? Like, oh, okay. And like, how do you, you know, I don't know if I really want the mechanics of like how you do that, but like even just maybe a hint from, you know, because Kid Loki, if Kid Loki's the one that's the most powerful, you know, the one who was successfully able to kill Thor, maybe Kid Loki can kind of drop something into the dialogue of like, oh, we have limitless magic power. 
you just have to, you know, insert whatever nonsense thing you need to insert there, right? Yeah. Like, you just have to go beyond yourself. Okay? You know, like, and that doesn't mean anything, right? But it it can be something at the end where they go, we just have to go beyond ourselves. And it's like, we did it, right? Like, yeah, because that's, as, yeah, as that's written, a really good point. as written, they kind of are just like, hold hands tighter, right? Like, yes. hold, hold hands tighter. Oh, we did it. <laughs> like, I was going to say, that's... I think that's a wonderful script doctor because I do think that that, you know, and, and also like, does your magic change or amplify in the void, right? Like when you've got all these other Lokis around you, does it mean that you get stronger when they're around? I think that's an excellent script doctor because, you know, she kind of springs on him at the end. Like, Hey, you're going to help me enchant this thing. He's like, I don't know how to do that. And she's like, You'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> right. and like in the heat of battle where, whereas like, you're right. If they had sort of taken away some of the stuff at the TVA and shown us like, you know, maybe there's a scene where they, you know, Loki tries to collaborate with one of the other Lokis on something and it mm. doesn't work because they mm-hmm. don't fully trust each other yet. You know, something like oh, that, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that could have, but I, but I like that. Like, how does this magic work? And, you know, then, you know, but I wonder if that was in it because they have, or like in a longer cut, because they do have that, like, you know, where he says, I think we're stronger than we realize. Like, maybe that was, you know, all you needed was kid Loki or someone else to say, like, you know, you're stronger than you think you are because, you know, here in the void, da, 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 something's different. Or so, it yeah. doesn't even have to, I don't even know that it has to be that exactly. It can just be like, oh, no, like I figured out that xyz whatever and that's how i was able to kill thor you know and maybe he could be like and that you know and i instantly felt i'm this is not credible dialogue but you know what i mean like i instantly felt shame and regret and horror and i was glad to be pruned i was glad that that timeline wasn't the real one and so you know i'm trying to atone out here you know or whatever i don't know like we didn't get nearly enough Kid Loki for my tastes. Like he was kind of more of an object of, oh, you know, he's the he's venerate him versus him actually being a character with like dialogue and motivation. Yeah, especially if they're gonna spend real estate, you know, especially if he is gonna be part of the Young Avengers. Like it would have been nice to have that. And like, there's not there's nothing saying that he couldn't show up in episode six somehow, but like I do sort mm. of think we're gonna go beyond the veil in episode six, so I mean that's kind of what it seems like anyway. Yeah, so you know, my friend who I watch it with, he he sort of pointed out that like the existence of Eliath is like a really interesting thing because what it kind of implies is that whoever is running the utopia let's call it i don't think it's actually a utopia but that place we see at the end Mm -hmm. whoever's running the utopia must want some things from the void because otherwise there wouldn't be a weird smoke monster there would just be like a a wall (laughs) right like there they seem to be whoever's in utopia seems to be unbelievably powerful right if you wanted to put up a hard barrier between the end of the void and yourself, you probably have the power to do that. So why instead do you have what is functionally an open door and a guard dog? Well, maybe there are things that you want that come into the void 
And I don't know if that means resources or people or ideas or what, but there have to be some things that you actually... So now that sort of raises the question of like, what happens when Eliath eats something or somebody? Yeah. Do those get kind of sent to some sort of prison dimension where they can pay? Now, like, and that raises an additional question of like, why would pruning something not just send it to that sort of place if that's what happens when the smoke monster eats you? Yeah. Just a lot of unanswered questions. But I thought it was an interesting point that, like, this whole really weird and complicated setup kind of implies that Utopia is, like, cherry-picking from the void. That's interesting. It's like a a claw machine. (laughs) (laughs) Just sort of picking stuff up. I mean, so BuzzFeed had a really great um, article that was just, like, Easter eggs and details from this episode, which there were a ton, and I'm not going to go through them all, but... It's a lot of stuff that we see kind of like in the debris in in this void, but mm-hmm. they did talk about where Eliath comes from because like I am not well versed in Thor and Loki comics, so like they could have made this up for all I knew. But the article says, while in the void, the Lokis avoid Eliath, who is a villain pulled directly from the Marvel comic books. In the comics, Eliath is Kang the Conqueror's rival who was accidentally set free by Ravana Renslayer. That's weird. So like, I don't know. They could have they could have completely done something different. They could have made But Ravana is not like the mastermind here because we see her when she went to prune Sylvie and she's just like a regular old agent. Yeah, I mean I, I'm out of my depth here, but like I I thought it was interesting like it's interesting to to think of this character or this, or Eliath is being set up as like a guard dog when apparently in the comics, it's like, uh, com- it's not subservient to anybody else. Mm. It sounds like. So, I don't do you want to talk about the big old ship? Yeah. That was upsetting. All those it sailors was getting upsetting. Eaten. It was very upsetting. So there's a there was a ship called the USS uh, Eldridge, which uh, in 1943. This is from a. Um, an article called Weird History Behind the USS Eldridge. Um, sometime in 1943, at the height of World War II, there were rumors that the U.S. government was testing a new device above aboard uh, the USS Eldridge that would effectively make it invisible. Uh, while there were some grains of truth to this, uh, there were magnetic devices on board hoping to be used to disrupt the radar of other ships. Uh, it started off a long history of rumors and theories including ones that involved the U.S. government using technology from crashed alien ships that allowed them to transport the Eldridge in the blink of an eye. So I thought that was... And, in addition, there was a fictional movie in the 80s called, like, The Philadelphia Experiment, I want to say. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. Where they're using this ship to do sci-fi nonsense, and then basically at the end, it gets sucked into the void. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that part. That's really funny. So... I guess in the MCU, that movie is actually what really happened. Or it happened on an, a disused timeline or whatever. That's really funny. I do also want to, uh, in that same BuzzFeed article that I just mentioned uh, prior, they also talk about the the city that we see or the fortress or whatever that we see beyond Eliath. Um, we catch it, quote, we catch a glimpse of a mysterious city after Sylvia and Loki enchant Eliath. And I am losing my mind because... I'm losing my mind that this is probably Chronopolis, which is home to Kang the Conqueror in the comics. Again, are we really, we really think they're going to 
introduce the Phase 4 baddie in a Disney Plus television show? Uh, look, I've been wrong so many times, baby, I should just accept it. I, I'm I'm not entirely sure. But, but I also think that, you know, like, maybe they get there and, like, Kang's not home or whatever. He's, like, off causing problems somewhere else. Who knows? This show's is getting trippier and trippier. I have uh, a couple emails. Okay. Do you want me to get into those or just for anything, any, any leftover? Um, just very, very, uh, quickly, um, uh, the, the decider article about, uh, that is the episode five review, just touching on their sort of like romantic question mark connection there. Uh, they said we also get a finely tuned moment between Loki and Sylvie that is maybe romantic or maybe just two emotionally stunted people accepting love, platonic, romantic, whatever, for the first time. I really don't think romance is the point here. Loki, the show, Loki's big themes are self-acceptance and forgiveness. Loki started out utterly self-loathing and now he is acknowledging he is no longer the person who tried to kill Thor and conquer New York. He's forgiving himself for his past and uh, that is opening the door to acceptance, uh, one expression of which is his affection for and belief in Sylvie. Meanwhile, sh- uh, she, meanwhile, is accepting him as a partner on her journey and choosing to trust him. They're both unbending, and it's not really surprising that they're curving towards each other as they share an innate, inherently intimate understanding. I thought that was nice. So, you have I mean, I think, it, I think it is romantic, but that's fine. Okay. Well, come on, the snoogles with the... Blanket and the, you know... And the dashboard confessional. The dashboard confessional! I wish I could just pull a dashboard confessional, another, a different dashboard confessional song the way that we did used to do with Pearl Jam, but uh, my my dashboard confessional knowledge is actually pretty shallow. Something about long hair and your lies or something. Oh boy, yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) So Ernest sent us another email, really sweet, you know... He said he doesn't have very similar tastes to you, like he loves Curb Your Enthusiasm and Black Mirror. But after never seeing an Avengers movie, and with very little MCU knowledge, I did enjoy WandaVision, and my interest was piqued by the tease of this show having a similar story architecture to The Good Place and lending itself to analysis and predictions. So I'll be diving into that and looking forward to catching up on your commentary. Glad you are both doing well. Very nice. sweet. Nice. That's very so this sweet. So this is the... This is what I don't understand. So Susan who oh. has has sent us emails before? Yes. It's a very short email. Okay. And I don't I don't, I don't understand it. Okay. 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 I'm going to read read verbatim. Casey is the original timekeeper, the big baddie. Mark my words. What is she talking about? Who's Casey? <laughs> who is Casey? <laughs> who, How is it spelled? Is it spelled Casey or is it spelled No, no, no. It's like Casey at the bat. Casey. So it's not Kang the MCU. Conqueror, Casey. No, Casey MCU. Oh, he's the he's he's Pillboy. Oh, he's the original timekeeper. <laughs> That's her. Yes. <laughs> That's her theory. I'd be into that. <laughs> if he just comes he back didn't around know and what a like, fish was. <laughs> if he just comes back around, he's like, oh, dip. I created the TVA. <laughs> he was the original timekeeper. The big baddie. I, I mean, God, Susan, look, <laughs> if you are right, we got to do something for you. If you're you know right, I mean? you can come host this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can be a guest on the podcast if you are correct. Yes. You have to have the Chrome browser installed 
It can't be like a it can't be like a phone. You have to have Chrome installed on a desktop or laptop computer, and you can come be a guest on this show to explain how you came to this conclusion if it turns out to be correct. I would just love for like Pillboy to pop up in the in the void. <laughs> I'm like, oh dip. I was just chilling, being nothing, and then I was again. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so funny. Just a little good place thing. I I was reading some Nietzsche. Let's not get into why. And okay. there was this line in it that I was like, I know that line. You know, this is about this like what what festivals of whatever like we killed god like what festivals of oh yeah yeah and when, i'm like googling when he's having his epigraph, meltdown but i forgot i googled like epigraph festivals of whatever and it's like cheaty you're thinking like google was like you're thinking about cheaty when he has his breakdown and he's making the peeps chili and i was like oh it's in the park where he's like shirtless and that guy is like hey man want to see god and he's like we killed god <laughs> Anyway, it was great. That's amazing. That's, this show is amazing, and I miss it. I miss it, too. Susan, thank you so much for sticking with us and for <laughs> writing to us. And good on you for remembering Casey when I could not remember him like four episodes in. So congrats. We also have a, a little a Twitter shout out that we would like to um, just end on, I think. Yeah. This is from GZAP on Twitter. <laughs> good old GZAP. Good old GZAP. So glad at the Good Play Pod is back. I missed them while they were gone. Definitely one of my favorite podcasts. That's so sweet. Even if they are talking about something I haven't seen, I always enjoy their recaps and analysis. Loki recaps are flawless. Ding. That's so cute. Glad you're back. Keep up the great work. And then they said, also, if you ever have questions about Marvel slash MCU, feel free to reach out. DMs are open. Are you going to recap Black Widow? Oh, I'm not paying $30. Are you kidding me? Is it is it on uh is it only on like premium access Premi- right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. When it comes off of premium access, when it stops being 30 American dollars, sure. What do you think we are? Like the people who run the VFX for Disney, we don't have that kind of money lying around. <laughs> we will eventually, Gzap. But thank you so much. We we might need your Marvel slash MCU help because I'm this all this Loki lore, especially with Ravana and like Kang the Conqueror and these are like all people I've never even Chronopolis. heard of. What even? <laughs> <laughs> we might do the what if. Did you see the trailer for the what if? I did uh, Disney Plus show. Yeah, so yeah. Like, we might do the what if because I know you love your girl Agent Carter. She's I a big part my of girl. The, at least one of those episodes. She's a big part of. I love my girl. I think she becomes Captain America, right? Yeah, but she's British, so she's not Captain America. Cap- she's called Captain- I think she's just called Captain Carter. Captain- but she has Captain Carter, and her her shield is the Union Jack instead of the okay. like American flag, which is oh, pretty I saw- sweet. I saw somebody talk about that on Twitter because they were like, "Oh, so Steve's last name was America." <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you? It just sounds stupid. Captain Britain sounds dumb. <laughs> like, what do you want from them? No, I know. <laughs> Captain Great Britain, Captain United Kingdom? Like, come on. <laughs> there's not, there's just not a good, and Captain England is just wrong, right? Like, Captain England. <laughs> right? You gotta represent Scotland and Wales and, I guess, possibly Northern Ireland, depending on, you know, how big of a net. It, it just, come on. 
It's too complicated. <laughs> it is too complicated. They went with Captain Carter. I approve. I like Captain Carter, and I love her, so I will be all about that. Yeah, we we could do that for sure. I think it's like starting next month, and maybe I don't know if we'll we'll probably take take some time off between now and then. Yeah, we've got one more episode of this to go. Yeah, and, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I have no predictions because I've been wrong about everything so far. So I mean, I think we can safely say like multiverse of madness, like the TVA is going to be conquered in some way, right? Or or overthrown or what have you. Yeah. Like the TVA is not going to be operating the way it was operating by the end of the show. Yes. I fully <laughs> because agree. we're about to have a multiverse of madness. Doctor Strange. And then we get to listen to um, Benedict Cumberbatch's New York accent again. <laughs> oh, Tony. Uh, <laughs> you gotta... I would like a pastrami on rye. <laughs> there was one point in this episode this week where Gugu and Botha Raw said a word. Yeah. And it was the accent was American, but the emphasis was on the wrong syllable. It was the British way of saying it. And I was like, really? Like, n- nobody just, like, pulled her aside and said, and I don't remember what word it was. I I, could, I didn't bother to go back and, like, rewind. But, you know, like, let's just say it was garage. You know, over in Britain, they say garage. Yeah. You know, so she says something, something, you know, put it in the garage or whatever. And, like, no, like nobody pulled her aside to be like, that. Uh, you're doing a great job with the American accent. There's just this one thing. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Keep keep it rolling. We have 12 bajillion dollars to make smoke monsters, but we can't we can't waste the the digital film on refilming Gugu and Bothara saying this line. Maybe she intimidates them now, you know? She's yeah, she's maybe. the big bad, so maybe she's, she can get away with it. She, she's the medium bad, I would argue. Yeah. So. <laughs> Pretty intimidating. Until next time, do not taunt Crocoloki. He's very overly sensitive, just like the rest of us. We'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. Can you hold on just a second? Sure. Is somebody making noise down here? Okay. You hear the pitter-patter of little feet? Dan was making noise. Okay. okay. Um, so not so little feet, big feet. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it was Shujin. <laughs> 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 Come to feast on your <laughs> <Misery>. anxiety. Yes. <laughs>